What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, you can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday on iTunes, or you can go to dancablepresents.com, the official homepage for the podcast, and the new episode is always uploaded right there on that title page. You can also find it on all kinds of other streaming platforms, podcast apps. It's there. Just search Dan Cable Presents and you will find it. If you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you go ahead and click subscribe on the iTunes. Then you head down to the bottom of the page and you click five stars and you say a few nice words. And that is super helpful in shooting the podcast into the tops of the iTunes podcast charts. And that will just help gain more national visibility for the podcast more exposure for the artists, and it just helps more strangers find the podcast and, and find out what's going on here with this uh, with this show. So please take the time. Do it. I can't stress the importance of it enough, and I appreciate all of you who have already done so. And just in general, all the listeners, the regular listeners, thanks so much for, for checking this thing out regularly. It is uh, much appreciated, and it's so cool to see how this podcast has grown. I can't believe that we're uh, we're approaching 130 episodes. We got episode 129 for you today. Stoked to get into that with Max91. We will get into that momentarily. Also, you can check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances, live show performances, a short documentary that I put out earlier this year on a band called Tribe Mars. That documentary is called Move Through You, and it is available there. Please check that out. Uh, what else we got going on? We got a couple calendar dates. One in regards to our guest today. This is September 29th. At the Alberta Street Pub, I'm throwing a rap, hip-hop, R&B showcase over there at the Street Pub, one of my favorite smaller rooms in, in town to see music. And we got Matt Randall headlining the night, last week's guests um, of the podcast. So check that out if you didn't listen to that chat yet. Matt Randall's new record drops today on release day of here, September 21st. The Art of Allowing is out, so I'm super pumped for people to get ears on that. We got Yun Peralta, who I'm excited to see for the very first time. She is on the bill. And then we have today's guest, Max91, is on the bill. And we got Mal London, who is a past guest of this podcast as well. So check out Mal London. He is dropping some new music this week as well. So... Everybody's got a bunch of new tunes circulating. It's going to be a super fun night down there at the Alberta Street Pub. So if if rapping hip hop R and B is your uh, your thing, if you fancy that type of music, I encourage you to come down and hang out with us because it's going to be dope. Also, very excited for this. Just announced. 
November 20th, I'm throwing my first show at the legendary Doug Fur, and I cannot be more pumped. I've been wanting to put something there together there for a very long time, and it has finally all come together. So November 20th, we are doing a very special Dan Cable Presents live filming of three sets. This is not a live podcast, but we will be out there filming and tracking the audio and putting together some really great content. I can't be more thrilled for this thing. The lineup, three of the coolest fucking bands that I've seen in this city are all together on this thing. We got Strange Hotels opening up the night. They just put out a new single called Jackknife. Check it out. Check out their tunes. We got Gold Casio throwing down. And then we have the Autonomics closing out the night. I'm so pumped, everybody. Um, This night is going to sell out, so I encourage you to get your tickets early on the Doug Fur website, which will also save you $5. It's $10 online, $15 at the door. So save yourself some shekels and uh, bring your asses. Bring your asses out to um, the Doug Fur on November 20th. All right? I'll, keep, I'll probably keep shouting that out almost every week. I'm, I'm so pumped. The Doug Fur is so, so killer. Um, for any of you who live in this wonderful city of Portland and have not been to the Doug Fur, um, I will just tell you that, that you are fucking up and you should get yourself there. All right? Good. September 29th, next week, at the Alberta Street Pub, and November 20th at Doug Fur. Um, that's, a, that's all I got there. Stoked to get into this chat with Max. Max um, is, is a rapper, producer, beat maker, visual artist, kind of does a little bit of everything which was why i was kind of stoked to to talk to him and visual art was was kind of what got him got him going at a at a really young age and i just really have a lot of respect for the this dude's drive and the confidence he has in his art and also just his mentality to hopefully help others recognize within themselves the artist that that lives inside and and how he can maybe help um help those people find a path with their art and and just a real desire to to leave behind a legacy that's uh that is well respected so I, I am uh, I'm pumped to share this one with you. I feel like we got into a lot of different things, and uh, we we geeked out on some on some records, and we feature some tunes off of uh, Max's newly released record, which is called Moonstrung. So we're gonna get into it. I will put all the links in the episode notes. Please do not forget to leave your iTunes reviews. I cannot say it enough. It is so important to helping this thing rise and and reach outside of the community that it's already hitting so thank you again for for all the listeners out there much love to you to you all and um go see some music this week go check out a local artist that you've never heard of just show up to a venue 
and uh i don't know you might might discover some magic there and and uh maybe catch somebody before things really pop off for somebody all right that's the damn deal we're gonna get into it episode 129 we're kicking it off with the first track off the moonstrung record and uh this thing is called rosary here we go let's get it half the thing you got to give like a free plug sometimes for people and like i'm happy to shout out montucky cold snacks like i don't even i don't even drink often but if there's a cheaper beer that i'm looking for it's it's a montucky cold snack yeah i don't even i don't drink that much beer i'm trying to i don't know i'd rather just drink straight whiskey but no rain get me a coors rainier this or get me a heineken i'm good yeah. Yeah, I just can't really even tolerate alcohol like to any degree for the most part. I just usually get sick before I even have fun at this point. It's uh-huh. just like this intolerance that I've I've grown to alcohol. It's kind of fucking bogus, but I think it also keeps me out of trouble. So it's Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's solid. Yeah, when I first moved out here, I got a really good job that just paid for everything. And when I was living in the Pearl District, they paid for my apartment. So me and my buddies would go out partying like every weekend-ish. So from like Thursday, Friday till Sunday and Monday pretty much. And at one point, I was like, man, I'm drinking too much. I need to go cold turkey. I was smoking like like eight swishers a day. <laughs> Nothing in it. it just a straight swisher. Blueberries. Blueberries are the best. I was also partially sponsored by Swisher. They gave me a bunch of free shit to go party in in downtown Portland. And then 
I decided to go cold turkey and also change up my diet from Taco Bell and whiskey. And so in doing so, I shocked my system. And then my stomach started going shitty. So I had to go to the doctors and they almost pumped out my stomach. <laughs> so. Great, great start to, yeah. your, uh, to your time here in Portland. Yeah. Um, well, I'm stoked to to have you on the podcast, dude, and to to learn a little bit more about where your tunes come from. Um, you just put out this new record called Moonstrung, which is out on all the streaming platforms right now. All of them. And we'll definitely make sure to put the notes in the uh, or the links rather in the episode notes so people can keep up with what what you're doing there. But I know you just dropped this record, and I want to talk about some tracks on that and a little bit of the production because I I know that you're this is pretty much your brainchild. Like you you yep. do all the producing, you you do some rapping on it as well, and there's some features, and um, so I I want to get into that a bit, but. I kind of want to just like start by talking about where you come from and and kind of growing up as as more of a visual artist, right? Yeah, yeah. From what I remember from yeah. our conversation, but I know you moved here from the LA area. Mm. You've been here like three years now. Yeah. So I grew up in Southern California. Born in San Diego. Grew up in Southern California. I don't mean Orange County. I grew up in Pasadena and Eagle Rock. So. I'm just, I'm in it. I grew up in the shit. And so grew up. Um, I remember the first time I ever did something super creative that I remember that I think my parents thought was super significant was when Toy Story came out. Um, that was also back in the day when popcorn came in buckets and not in paper bags. And so I brought the bucket home. I drew Buzz Lightyear, not as a stick figure, like in his full form. And I was like three years old. And I think my parents probably realized at that point that I had something a little more talented than I guess the average kid. So they started like pushing me towards like doing creative stuff. They would like get me a part of classes and stuff. They would buy me like coloring books and just anything I could use to just create pretty much at home. Um, and so as I got older, I think most kids kind of find like different avenues to create. And for me, me and some friends got a hold of a couple can control magazines from his older brother. So we just started getting a graffiti pretty heavy. And I think that's also around the time I really started getting into music too. And so I grew up playing drums in the church as well. So music and painting and drawing was kind of just all around me um, ever since a little kid. And so from there, I had made my caravan all the way up to Oregon. And then now we have Moonstrung. Yeah. Um, what was it about about the, the graffiti era for you, like that time in your life? Like what, what drew you into that type of art? Um, so for me, I started writing when I was, uh, when I was 11. And so a buddy had came to school, my buddy, Brian, shout out Framer. He came to school and he had took one of his older brothers can control magazines and a couple of his black books. Can control, I'm assuming is like a pretty big, like, yeah, so, more of like an underground 
magazine uh, at that time? I mean, now, no. I actually don't even know if it's still around now, but... But it was like a mainstream... Yeah, Can magazine. Control for the Graffiti World is what Thrasher magazine okay. would be f- compared to like Trans World. So Trans World's more Tony Hawk, Thrasher's more Piss Drunk, PD, and Andrew Reynolds and Baker and stuff. So right. It was... For me growing up, I had... I saw that... Uh, some of my favorite artists were like the artists I'd saw in there. Um, I've met a handful of them. I've had the privilege of riding with them growing up and stuff through some friends that my dad has. Um, and so for me, it was just kind of, I mean, I'm a sucker for finding beauty, like looking and creating something that's beautiful, knowing that it might not last forever. So I put a lot of that into my album, creating my album. There's a lot of, uh, reverb delay and like distortion in it so it kind of just feels like it's dissolving as you're listening to it and that was the same thing when it came to graffiti think knowing that you know if i wake up and i leave you know i start school at eight o'clock but if i wake up at four and i start walking to school you know i have a backpack full of spray paint so i could paint and then by the time my dad picks me up from school and we drive back home it could be gone because the city could paint over it so it's just the like excitement of knowing that at any point I could create something and I'll know it exists. And I know that I put the, the passion and the time into creating something, but knowing that some people may get an opportunity to experience, but most people probably won't cause they'll be gone. So that was the like biggest drawing factor, especially as a kid, knowing that something could disappear. Yeah. Just recognizing how, how temporary it was in some ways. Yeah, just knowing that, I mean, I think that's like, that's just the biggest thing in life. As a kid, I was always a little older than I probably should have been. So I think that was just the biggest thing in life. And still is for me knowing, you know, it's probably, it's super important for me to just invest in something as much as I can, knowing that, you know, we only get one shot at this. So there's no reason not to put everything into something I'm doing. Yeah, do you think that's, also why you've continued to pursue art you know outside getting through high school and yeah 100 percent. so for me art's always just been it sounds super cliche but art's always just been like the number one like venting process for me it's always been like the biggest avenue for me to uh, also like learn who i am so you know growing up in life i mean as humans we go through trans Man, it's that, it's that Montucky that giving Montucky, you the, the burps, man. man. Uh, that means nah, it's good. Growing up in, uh, yeah, in most countries, if you don't burp, it's disrespectful after a meal. So <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> Montucky. Uh, I think growing up, like, as humans, we grow and progress in different stages of our lives. So I think it's super important to always reflect on stuff. And so for me, creating anything whether it's a painting a drawing um music designing vocals sculpting like doing anything video work graphic design it's just i mean like even if i'm not working on something i'll just create to kind of just check in and see where i'm at um if things tend to be on a little bit of a dark side i kind of know you know like not necessarily something's wrong with me but maybe you know it kind of like the season i'm in right now is for people to leave me like you know what i mean like i just want to be alone 
you know, I'm more used to being a little weirdo inside of a corner creating in a dark room than, than not. But I think it's really important, especially as creatives, to kind of just engage yourself, kind of see where you're creating or you're at. Yeah. Is it also just a desire to leave some sort of imprint on? I mean, I know you we, we talked a little bit how the graffiti was more of a temporary thing and, and how you like to some way maybe connect that into the music with with the dissolving effects and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, as long as the Internet doesn't crash forever, you, you know, you, your tunes will live on for like a long time. Yeah. In the, especially in the, in the digital age that we're in, you know, it's, it's very easy for, for us to even do this podcast and put it up this week, you know, yeah. like anybody can kind of do that now. So is that also a part of it for you at all? Or is that, is that something you think, think about? Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be dumb and ignorant for me to say as a creative, I don't want people to remember what I create. Um, but for me, it's, I get more excitement, more thrill and almost, and more like fulfillment out of knowing that like what I did for the moment inspired someone else that could potentially become that person that is remembered now forever. Um, and so for me, that's more of, I mean, that's, if if my imprint created someone else to have a bigger legacy, then I think that was the purpose. I think if my end goal is to have something, have my legacy only ever reflect Max 91 in any creations I make, I think at that point I didn't progress anything. I kind of was just a, a staple in a moment that kind of just fades away and, and turns into something else. Um, uh, what was it? in uh when i was 19 and i was i was living in northern california before i moved up here i was working for a school district and i created an art program and the whole like purpose of the art program was because uh i'd saw a student get in trouble for drawing on his homework and i knew this student and the kid was uh, a first grader and his thing was like he didn't have his parents didn't have the means to actually buy him in like even a coloring book like you know and so for me growing up knowing that my parents invested that into me all the time i knew that it went against almost everything i felt to acknowledge that this kid was going to be in trouble for taking a moment to create especially at school when now he has the resources even if it was on homework and the kid's a first grader um and the, the worst part was the teacher, his teacher originally had or has her BFA, so her bachelor's in fine art, and then went back to school to become a teacher. So not only do I feel weird because I'm seeing this kid get in trouble, but I also see the teacher who is a creative and went to school for it, also wanting him to be in trouble for doing that. And so for me like a huge deciding factor in my life was kind of like what I was going to do. So I created an art program for Shasta County and the whole thing was created to give students an opportunity for free after school to create. And then as soon as their our period of uh, a couple months was over on me teaching them fundamentals of drawing and painting at an art show for them. Um, and the kids had the opportunity to sell it or not, but, the whole curriculum I created for it was all something that I've learned throughout the years, 
building schooling and on my own. Um, and the cool thing is I also brought it up here. I did it for the David Douglas school district for a year. And I mean, the whole thing is just leave a legacy, leave a legacy for other kids to take that and build something bigger. Yeah, so. dude, I fuck with that heavy. That's very cool. And I think it's rad too, because I think so many of us kind of grow up, um, with the idea that being an artist or, you know, kind of trying to make that a career path to some degree is, is a dumb decision, you know, that it's not smart and, and, and it definitely takes a lot of hard work and whatnot and, and discipline for a lot of people to get there. But I just think it's, uh, I think it's important to encourage people to, you know, to do the things that they that they're actually passionate about and see yeah. see what lives within that. You know. Yeah, most of the time, I mean, I mean, at, so at that point, I mean, I'm talking about working with like third and fourth graders, and at that age, when you're a kid, you want to create, you want to do anything. You could put any kid in front of us and give them a piece of paper and some crayons or color pins or pin anything they're going to create something in front of you i mean i think it's just a natural part of us growing up wanting to express ourselves and i think as we get older we're kind of taught not to do that at least like in school we're told you know do all this work and then the last 30 minutes if you have extra time it's free time you can draw if you want or you could do homework so you're going to probably want to do homework so you go home and play so I think like the biggest thing is everybody has the capabilities, the desire, and the natural instinct to create. It's just a matter of unlocking it in someone. Yeah. So. And just harvesting it in some way. Actually yeah. Contributing something to it. Yeah. Instead of this idea that that walking down that path is just going to be too hard. So don't do it. You know, do something more secure. And, yeah. But. I don't know. The reality of it is, is that that nothing is like a sure thing, either. You know? Yeah. I know that's like that's that's like a famous thing. Like Jim Carrey's always talked about about mm-hmm. his dad like worked this job that he like hated forever, and even and he got fired from that. So he like saw his dad get fired from this thing that he hated, and just kind of like realized like you can fail at anything. Mm-hmm. So like, why not? like do the shit that you actually dig yeah jim carrey was huge too do go on stage and just do sounds and faces yeah (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and even even just going back to realizing that that things are temporary and like how that can drive you a little bit i think uh i think that's definitely like a mentality that i've tried to adopt a bit that like you know this could be over tomorrow so like why not just keep fuck like yeah not necessarily fucking around but like why not keep exploring these things that i have in my head if i do not have these other obligations at this time anyhow mm-hmm. you know and then i know i've i've got i've got a few years on you um but when when fife dog from from uh tribe called quest he he passed away a couple years ago i think it is now and and Fife was one of my favorite rappers, but then I also like know that he died at like forty six or something like yeah. that. And it's just like I don't know when you're thirty three, 
and you you <laughs> see that that gap yeah. is not too big, it's just like, fuck, man, if this guy's going to go out at 46, like I better be having some fun and, and uh, pursuing some shit that I, I really love right now. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's big. There's definitely different ways you could go, like, when thinking about, one, I think a lot of people kind of put all their eggs in one basket of creativity, and they go there, not that they're not good or it's what they're creating, the content's not good or anything like that, but they go their whole life focusing and kind of doing that one thing where maybe they were meant to do a different one or if they would have changed it maybe by like a degree that would have been the niche to take it off not saying that that's what happened to you but i think in today's era there's no i mean people could do anything any like you yeah. you need a laptop i mean like if you're about it you could just go snag one from freddy's but yeah, well, that's the crazy thing now is like anybody kind of has the tools in front of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, obviously cost some dollars to get get a laptop, but you really can kind of learn anything on the Internet and you can you can produce a bunch of, yeah, of things anything. from your computer. But I think it's also like sometimes too hard to make a kid realize that, you know, like it's like. If you jump on this real early, you know, like if, it, if yeah, in high school, I would have like figured out like, man, I really want to do something in this world. Yeah. I should be learning. Like, it's just like you were saying, like putting your eggs all in one basket can be the wrong thing. Because if you if you kind of spread out and you have all these resources yourself, then you can do all these things. Like if, if I would have learned how to engineer from a, a very young age, yeah. you know, or learned how to video edit, like I could be doing everything that's happening here like myself you know and yeah, be a I little think, more resourceful it i mean it is kind of it would be hard to kind of put like little kids up on game on i think even in high school business. sometimes yeah just, like because it's you just, hard to put adults on game yeah absolutely business but especially in high school like you know you just don't really realize that yeah it's like oh telling telling a kid from age from third grade till maybe like 10th grade what a seo is for a website is probably the furthest thing from what they're thinking yeah absolutely so i mean it's i mean usually there's there's tons of older people as you're growing up telling you you know like have fun as a kid you're gonna like it's not gonna be fun maybe yeah. <laughs> after you hit that adult world you know you have all these people telling you to like enjoy that time and uh yeah i think it yeah, I mean, that's a hard topic because the day I have kids, I don't want to, like, I'm not going to be like, hey, you need to do it. Like, the, you need to learn these 50 tools to do no. this. And I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but even me thinking about it, like, I wouldn't. Nobody told me that. I think just as I got older, I was just privileged to be in a lot of positions to kind of learn a bunch of stuff. And then as I got older, I kind of just stood around certain areas and environments so i got to meet more and more people and learn more and more resources but yeah i don't it'll be hard to tell a kid like you know if a kid's like six years old and they're like hey i love drake i want to be a rapper or something like that it would be crazy for me to sit down with them and be like all right you need to learn how to develop a website yeah, for sure use photoshop 
After Effects. But if they did produce. ask you, but if they did ask you, you could, you could. If they did, I would tell you them. You could tell them, right? I hate when people, when you try and ask people how to do something, and they're like, "Yo, three hundred dollars." Like they stick you up on a on a fee, and then their shit's garbage. But they have one little thing that's cool, and you want to learn how to do that. Talking about or, the whole educational system right now. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you know <laughs> if i could do going to school all over again i wouldn't have <laughs> spent my money same same I, yeah. absolutely understood um i, I do i'm the furthest from what school has taught me and i make more money than what i could have. what why do you think why do you think you're you're so far from that i wanted i went to a bible school so i originally went to school I had the opportunity to go to a school in Southern California called CalArts. Um, if you don't know what it is, CalArts is like the school. If you ever want to work for Disney, you need to go to CalArts. It's called the Disney School. They pull pretty much all graduates from there, and, and they're like, hey, you're now working from Disney. So it's pretty much a shoe-in and get a job at Disney or Pixar. And so I had a full-ride scholarship to go there, but everything i create my paintings are surrealism everything i create is very abstract and i felt like if i went to school and a lot of counseling through like my art teachers and stuff and a lot of my mentors um i think we kind of just settled on the idea of you know it might be better if i go to a different school that's going to teach me more of who i am we didn't know i was going to go to bible school i didn't know i was going to go to a bible school either but I ended up going to a Bible school and learned more of who I was than I think I probably would have if I went to a school that taught me how to hold my hand in a paintbrush. Um, and not, I'm not telling anyone to not take a full ride scholarship. <laughs> that yeah, I think yeah, that's no. one of the craziest things I've ever done in my life. Sometimes you got to do some crazy shit though. Like sometimes the crazy shit is the the right the right move. Yeah, if I would have done that, I'm not saying. I would have worked for Disney, but if I would have worked for Disney, I've heard that they work like all day, every day, pretty much. And I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have put out an album. None of this probably would have ever happened. I would have been working like a slave creating for someone else rather than for myself. I think my vision for creating would have been very diluted and different. Um, and I mean, even all the people I've met, some of my closest friends that are brothers to me, I've met there or through there um, and kind of got like one of my brothers pretty much got me my first my job when I came out here the first time in Portland. Um, and so, I, I mean, if it wasn't for going there and meeting him, I would have never even come out of Portland. Growing up in L.A., I've only ever heard of Seattle. I didn't know what Portland was. I wasn't the greatest at geography, so I wasn't paying attention to Oregon. But Oregon was just kind of like a you're pushing a wagon with a horse type thing up until you got to <laughs> yeah, Seattle. I feel like as somebody that grew up in Southern California, um, up until I had been here a few times, especially in school, like you have like a kid come to your class, like to your school from Oregon and you're just like yeah, yeah who's this wagon dude, wheel where's motherfucker your flannel? like <laughs> yeah, where's your flannel your cowboy boots yeah man. absolutely um yeah but then I come out here and everyone's dope as fuck and they're LA's actually or I look at Portland like it's a super small San Francisco as far as laid back and like people are just super nice all the time not that all of San Francisco is but 
it just feels like that uh but it's progressive like relaxed city you know yeah and it's super progressive like la and i think portland's a really i mean business 101 for anyone listening if you want to do anything creative come to portland why do you say that portland is such an untapped market when you look at uh when you look at art artists that are here not that anyone here isn't doing anything big but if you on a creative map and a business map and then when you look at like really high end like galleries or venues and stuff you're doing a tour either like a gallery show or you're doing like big firm business or you're doing music LA the bay area or seattle there's no huge like it's barely been probably the last like 10 years if that where you've had big artists coming through and doing the moda center doing like really big venues and stuff out here yeah outside of that the biggest thing that would always stop in portland which would be the only reason why i've ever heard of portland was because the vans warp tour always had a big stop out here yeah for sure vans warp tour goes everywhere yeah i mean there's definitely some some uh there's a couple at least one legendary venue here being like the doug fur like that is a just and like the crystal crazy, ballroom the crystal but like the doug fur has a uh has this reputation of kind of being the venue that that all these bands have like want to play on their on their yeah. tour circuit like if they see the doug fur it's a it's a big deal but yeah i think that uh you know there's definitely not the infrastructure here yeah yet, portland is but, such a in untapped market that if you're creative and you want to come somewhere where it's not drenched and full of people in a pool, come to Portland. One, people are super dope and abrasive. They're not going to gatekeep you out. But two, everyone here is creating to create something. I mean, everyone. I think if, if you're not creating selfishly, you're wanting to put something on the map. And so... I think if people come to Portland and they're not creating selfishly, but they're wanting to create something, I mean, Portland has like one of the craziest fan bases, all the Timbers fans. I mean, <laughs> they just played against uh, Seattle, what, this past weekend? It's one of the craziest rivalries in Crazy, Major League Soccer because the, the Seattle fans are supposed to be like just as like soccer wise. Yeah. Are supposed to be pretty much just as wild as the, the Timber fans. But man, those Timber games are fucking yeah, nuts. Yeah, I went... Dude. Me, my fiance, and some close friends of ours went to uh, uh, what do they call the Thorns? Yeah, the girls' team the, or the, the women's, the women's team. Yeah. And I mean, like that place was packed out. I'm used, I'm used to growing up in LA where we have literally a sport, like three three teams for every sport. Yeah, pretty much. And the female sports almost never sell out like guys. And here, I mean. In my opinion, the females put on a game that was almost comparable, if not, in my opinion, a little better than the Timbers. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it was sold out, like packed everywhere. And it was just one of the dopest things I've ever seen. So if there's people in Portland willing to support something like that, and Portland's also such an untapped creative market, then you know you have potential to have a fan base if you're creating unselfishly that will support you to the point where they would almost kill another city. I can dig that. Right on, man. Let's uh, let's dip into another track off of Moonstrung. 
Yeah, gonna, this is Celine Strung. Yeah. It's one of my favorite records off the project. Um, yeah, it's featuring, it has a sample in the beginning from my uncle, so really close to the heart record. That's really dope. This is it. This is Max 91. track is uh that that's one of my favorites because you got the mcfly reference on there yeah and back to the future is my that's my jam dude that's like my favorite trilogy of all time yeah that's hard so yeah, i think it's uh what is it uh hello mcfly don't do good hello mcfly don't do good with bullies yeah so, for people that don't know that's when uh Oh, what's his name? Biff. Biff. Yeah. Biff, Biff would go in 
and hit Marty on the head and say, hello, McFly. <laughs> hello, McFly. So yeah. I'm glad you caught that, man. Yeah, I put a lot of bars in my music. I swear, just go over people's heads. And I feel like they're like stuff I grew up with. So I feel, I don't know, man. I feel like pe- I, it's sometimes it's hard for me to remember that people didn't grow up watching everything I watch. And but so. See, that's that to me, though, is that's one of my favorite things about about hip hop is and, and rap is um you know there's there's the very very like heady lyricists and and i i definitely get down with like all the super you know mindful consciousness yeah. shit too but like one of the coolest things for me as a listener is is what is your reference game you know what yeah. are you throwing out there because I think that's where really where you do connect with people on, yeah. on a on a different level, you know. So if you do catch a reference, it's it's like, oh fuck, like man, I remember Mick Jenkins is probably my favorite rapper Bro. of of the modern era. Um, yes, he's like I I put him right up there with like, like Kendrick and and that's I would yeah. Um, he's one of my favorite like he's, rappers. He he it's. Sometimes I just want to say, like, I think Mick, yeah, Mick is my favorite rapper of the modern era. Like, yeah, shout out Green Slime. And it's Mick Jenkins DJ out there. Dude's mad. And that's dope. You know, I love Kendrick. So they're obviously making killer records. And I think those are right up there as well. And I think they will forever go down in history. But what do you think of, what do you think of Damn? I love Damn. Okay. I love it. Like I like all the Kendrick records a lot, and I don't know that I have uh, a fa- like a favorite. Like obviously, like the Section Eighty that shit my, is like that was my follow-up special. Question, what's the favorite record? It's one of the I don't know, man. It's like one of those things for me with the Kendrick, um, and I've talked about this with other artists. I have a lot of things, um, a, a lot of artists that I really just dig the catalog so much yeah like all the records like record for record front to back and those are the types of artists it's like whatever the last one i listened to is probably my favorite it's kind of that vibe um i don't think that there was anything like hearing good kid for the first time though like 100 percent good kid mad city and Forest Hill Drive are the only two albums I've ever bought. Not that I steal the rest of them, but those are the only two albums I've ever bought. But the Mick shit, the Mick Jenkins stuff, um, back to what I was saying, aside from that, I have all of Mick's records like on yeah. vinyl, and like I think he, the Healing Component is one of the most underrated yes. records of all time. Like conceptually, like that record's insane, and it has so many dope nods to to different parts of, of rap and hip hop history. Um, but I could go on and on about Mick, but my point was one of the first things that hooked me in was on the waters. He makes a boy meets world reference real quick. And I can't think of what the line is right now, but I was just like, this is my guy, dude. Like yeah. he made a boy meets world reference. And, uh, but uh, that I, I just think the reference thing is very special. So like yeah. hearing the McFly thing, I was just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Back to the future. Like that is, that is one of my number one jams. You know? Yeah, I have quite a bit of. I mean, for if if people listen to the album, there's quite a bit, and if they are just aware of different things like movies or anything like that, they'll know. 
they'll know kind of what's going on. So uh, the Two Face record on there, which is the second record on the album, is called Two Face. I'm a huge comic book fan. Uh, it was originally called Mr. Duval, which is one of Two Faces from Two Faces, one of the villains in Batman. Um, but it was originally called Mr. Duval, which is one of Two Faces' names from like old comic books. So, but I like for that. me, I saved you guys from that, so I didn't. I changed it. I changed it to Two Face, so that that would be kind of easier for you, people to understand. I I dig the like just that mr duall though is is also such a, like a cool title uh, and a lot of people don't know this but there's also a second verse on there that may be coming out in a couple months and also quite a bit of remixes to that record that may be coming out in a couple months so when when do you get heavy into the music man like i know in, in high school you're doing like a lot of visual art still uh-huh. um like when does when does music become something that when do I go into music mode? Yeah, when you go into music mode cuz I, you know, you you produce all these beats on this record which requires skill. So so when when does that all kind of start happening for you? Yeah, so I I try and make at least like 6 beats a day that way one, I'm always progressing. Two, I'm also tuning my ear. Um, I mean, I listen every Friday, Apple Music drops. Or, well, every artist. That's like the trend now. Every Friday, every artist drops. So I listen to everything. I mean, I'm going from all music platforms, including datpiff.com, all the way to SoundCloud. And just, I'm checking every last thing. Um, I'm kind of just listening to different melodies people are making, uh, like the beat selections people are choosing, and from all genres too. I'm listening to every little thing. Um, and so for me, I try and make at least six beats a day. That way I'm tuning my ear to kind of stay up with what's going on. Uh, but I'm also making it in how I like music. And so I'm you know, biasly catering a lot of my production to myself, even though I dish off a lot of my production and a lot of artists, but I'm tuning it kind of towards myself. And I think, I think when I find when there's like a moment when music kind of becomes real and I start, like I start rapping and doing melodies to a beat I'm making. And if there's been a trend of kind of like what I'm using and how I'm like tuning my kids and stuff, I think that's kind of when I know, like I'm itching to ride again. So yeah. When, like what made you want to make music yourself? Um, I was, when I was going to school in Northern California, I started, that's when I started really producing. Is this college now? Yeah. Okay. And so I started really producing for people. Um, I met a lot of uh, people out there that are really close friends to mine, to me, uh, I met my brother out there, uh, and I started like I started producing for people from all over the U.S. They introduced me a lot of people, so I was producing for a lot of people. Um, and I think at that point, I kind of started realizing also because I was writing for a lot of people too. I think I started realizing, uh, and when I say writing, I don't mean like physical writing, but kind of 
like when verses are being laid down you know i'm saying like you know this will probably sound better on the beat or if you say it like this it'll be better on the beat and so i think so so words and placement kind of thing and yeah giving some direction yeah and so i think right there i kind of there's a difference between beat makers and producers i think at that point i realized i was kind of just i was more than just a beat maker i was a producer even when i grew up playing drums inside the church like i was like when we would have our uh song practices and stuff i would work with the guitarist and stuff on different riffs because i was going to do different chops um when i was started working uh on the soundboard and stuff during services i was like live mixing not throwing on presets and letting it rock i was live mixing so if i knew a chop was going to come in a certain part of the song you know drums were going down a little bit like the snare was going to go down a little uh maybe the hi-hat was going to touch a little around the bass and then the guitar was going to go up a little more because the riffs were coming in so growing up i kind of always had my hand on production and not just like beat making or anything like that or just kind of be a part of a band and so when i started working with these artists when i was in northern california i started realizing i was doing more than just like beat making i was and engineering i was also producing and so around that time i mean i've always wrote too i've always wrote songs and so i started realizing selfishly uh that I could make really good songs. Like I'm writing a lot of these hooks. I'm doing a lot of the bridges and stuff. So then I slowly started recording myself. Uh, and then one day I went over to my brother's house and uh, we recorded off of a snowball mic inside his garage with like six boxes stacked up. And I think that song's garbage. I still have it too, but it was garbage. And I think at that point though, I kind of realized like one my voice sounds pretty unique um and two kind of just like how i hear music is super unique and different and so ever since then i've just i mean i've just pushed it that's when i knew like i want to do this this is where music means where it means the most to me where it sounds natural and clean to me um yeah i think that was just kind of where i realized like this is the part of creativity earlier when i said some people kind of may just be like a degree off from where they're at i think that was kind of where i hit a roadblock in my life and realized i need to shift a degree and kind of go this route so so music like out of everything like that you've done thus far is the is the thing that that speaks to you the most and kind of dials shit in for you yeah, 100%. And I mean, for me, I I grew up around like R&B and hip hop music pretty much my whole life. Um, I mean, like my dad, one of the first times as like a seven year old kid, I can remember my dad giving me like $60. And I, I have from my dad and mom, I have a younger brother and two older sisters. And then from my dad and my mom separately, I have uh, my younger sister, Pilar, and one of my younger sisters, Sierra. Um, and so I remember being a little kid, and my dad was like, whoever could recite the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air intro song, the intro rap, will get $60. And so, like, for us, we just grew up around music the whole time. Yeah. Um, we grew up around hip-hop the most. Um, I mean 
it for us like hip hop was just kind of I mean, I mean it's just what like rock and roll was cool and stuff and I dig it like a lot of my favorite groups are rock and roll bands and stuff but hip hop was just kind of uh, hip hop was just always there it's a different yeah. thing yeah like there's just there's something to rock and roll is a form of creativity where there's no box you're in and I think hip hop pulls from that like they they're from the same realm of creativity of there's no box other than what you're putting yourself into and me growing up creating and painting and and drawing kind of out of the box type thing my favorite thing to do when i was a kid was to draw pictures outside of the lines in a coloring book and color those and so you would go through coloring books that my parents bought me and never see the actual pictures colored but you'll see my own drawings in there colored and so for me like being able to create outside of a box and be i've always wanted to sing and stuff but i can't sing so the next best thing is to rap because i can write good so being able to put be in an area where i can be free to express how i want to express i mean you can't beat that yeah absolutely as far as um just to kind of break it down even further like when like what made you want to make beats like in the first place was there some, did you see someone else doing it or was there like a tr- even a track maybe that you heard where you were like fuck i want to do that yeah so when i first moved to northern california me and my fucking brother benny we one of our old friends was coming home from work and it was his birthday so we decided to make a hardcore happy birthday song and so when i say hardcore i'm talking like screamo and like pig squills (laughs) and stuff and so and he's also like one of the most i've i've never met someone more genius when it comes to music than him i mean this dude if he didn't know how to play the bass you just put him you give him a bass and put a song on and the dude's going to figure out how to play the bass of that song. Like, just one of the most craziest musical geniuses ever. Uh, and so we created on uh, guitar, uh, what is it called? Our garage band. Yeah. We created in garage band, uh, like, super chunky, beefy, like, stank face, like, hardcore beat. And then recorded some screams over it for happy birthday. And I did some pig squills over it. And we played that. And at that point, that was the first beat I've ever made. But that was kind of like the dopest. Like, that's the dopest shit I ever did at that point. And then maybe like a month or two after that, I bought a, a laptop from a buddy of mine at work. And I downloaded FL Studios. And from that day on, just made beats got a mixer and some mics and started recording and started i linked up with my brothers and stuff and then at that point it was a wrap yeah like when you when you first kind of like got all that software and we're making those beats were you just way more locked into that than than ever like with playing drums or anything like that before did it just yeah so i had on a different level for yeah i had i had my drum kit with me so at that point, I started. I started off sampling a lot of music. Uh, I lived in an apartment, so I couldn't play my drums all the time. So, 
I would sample music, and then the way I would play drums was just to make drum kits on the soft, on the dolls, and then just play them through there. Um, and then eventually, as I, because not only throughout that, but I was also learning like business sides of it, like what I can and can't do. Uh, and so throughout that time, I also realized I can't be using samples like that. <clears throat> just too expensive. <laughs> way too expensive especially the good ones man all the good stuff is too expensive because if you do that shit properly if i do it properly and i put it even if i put it on youtube like a beat on youtube or like maybe i recorded and engineered a record off a beat of mine on youtube it's gonna get flagged and so then they won't play because the samples are on it and i don't have licensing for it right so i started learning how to play the keyboard and so then I started playing the keyboard and making all my own patterns and melodies. So then there went the progression from there. Cut out, I cut out samples. I do, I use samples now. Some of my friends that I like just love their music, I'll sample some of their vocals or some parts and put them in records like subliminally where I have licensing and permission for it. But I'll kind of put it in their layering just because I think it gives a really good emotion. Uh, yeah now no samples at all you don't make any money off samples yeah and you're just kind of rolling the dice if you're if you're using them yeah because eventually if you get big like they might travel backwards in that catalog like i know that oh yeah even i don't know sort of recently i think that happened to like mac miller or something like that yeah i mean vanilla ice not to go this route but the ice ice baby record he was in a lawsuit for like five years Lawyers aren't cheap either. So, I mean, if you're, if you believe in what you're doing and you're using a sample, just know that if you continue believing in what you're doing and trying to really bro- grow yourself as a brand and into something, that shit's going to cost you a lot of money in the end when people catch that. So, I don't know. Sometimes it's just better to create on your own. Just create your own melody and pattern. Yeah. Um, as far as the record, you you definitely have like some some features and collaborations. Yeah, shout out uh, my buddy Sixteen from Four AM in New York. That's my brother. All of everyone on the albums, my family. Uh, shout out my brother Willie Cobain. Dude came with the hottest verse on Rattlesnake. Um, that record right there, you could definitely expect a little project coming out from us this winter fucking fire uh shout out my dog empress she is a portland local she's doing amazing fucking shit out here if you haven't heard her music you're fucking dead uh you could also expect dead dead. (laughs) you could also fucking dance dead you could also expect a project coming from us 91 maxima (laughs) done 91 Maxima is one of the hottest records on the project. I believe it's streamed now over, I think it hit like 250 streams solo now. The project's only been out for like almost a week now, but fucking done. Empress killed that. You can expect a project from us, hands down on God. That's my family right there. Uh, And I got my girl Scooty on the final record on the project, Greasy. She's also Portland native. Has some of the best vocals out here. If you're looking for a feature, you better get it now because 
<laughs> that price is gonna go up. We're gonna play that um, that track at the uh, the end of the episode, which we we're not concluding things yet. You know, I definitely have. No, we're scratching the surface. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I feel like just in the small amount of time I've I've spent talking to you, and and even in the, the way. Um, you know, you kind of presented your project to me uh, the first time we hung out. Yeah. I feel like you're somebody that has a lot of drive and, and a lot of discipline. Um, can you speak to, like, where you think that that derives from? Is it is it just kind of wanting to get to do this shit? Yeah, I think when I was a kid, I got my mom's makeup and I drew on our walls and we were living in apartments at the time and I drew on the walls and my sisters were like, Ooh, when dad gets home, you can get spanked. You're going to be in trouble. Uh, and when he came home, I remember him telling me what he saw was beautiful. And I'm a kid. I'm like maybe like five, six years old. I remember him telling me what he saw was beautiful and they bought me coloring books and crayons. And I think, for me as a kid remember i said i've always been a little older than what i should be as a kid that was a moment i realized that there was no punishment for creating so there shouldn't be any end to creating and so my drive just always stems from a moment of knowing that if i continue creating there's no one there should and even if there it there shouldn't be and even if there is someone there telling me no or I can't, then that's more of a drive because as a kid, I was taught I can. So knowing that I can is the biggest drive. I think from that, also having the desire and the passion for wanting to give kids an opportunity to create, and not just kids, but just people, period. I know that there's people... Man, let's fucking... That Montauki is coming strong with the, you know, Burp City. Uh... (laughs) I think just with that drive of knowing like some people don't have like the setups I do. They don't have the connections and the relationships I do. Knowing that I could be the person to put them in a position is just the biggest drive. Getting people in a position where they're not being told no. Getting people in a position where someone's not keeping them out or being a gatekeeper to them is super important to me because at that point I kind of know that what I'm doing is I'm putting those people in those positions when I was a kid where, you know, instead of getting in trouble, I was told to continue doing it. So that's that's really the drive. I pre- I make beats with that drive knowing that there's no there's no boundary on what I'm creating. Um, I mean, I write with that boundary knowing that there's no boundary to what I'm uh, writing. I paint that same way. Everything I create, I mean, even the way I just live life, even with friendships, is just knowing that there's no boundary to how much you can invest in something. And what about the business sensibilities to it? Because I think that's, you know, one one place where a lot of artists, and I will include myself in this at some times too, is, is the struggle in, doesn't in lie in, in creating the content, but how to go about it in a smart way for those who want to do that because there are people that like they don't give a fuck and they're just gonna they're gonna put things out however they want and just you know and for some people that works 
you know if, but if but, people want to learn how to create and make money off of it dm me on social media <laughs> you can find me at max that's m-a-x the number nine o-n-e max nine one but i guess i guess what i'm asking you on on that front is like where do you like why do you feel like you are able to navigate the business side of it so well and and present everything so well you know like i've i've you're the first person that's been on the podcast who like kind of asked me to like sit down prior so that you could you know I mean, and, like, and kind of present yourself and your project in in the most authentic of ways. Like, yeah. I appreciated it after. Like, oh man, like, this dude has his shit together. You yeah, know, it. I I think, I think that was uh, it. Left an it left an impression for sure, man. Like yeah. that, that you like that that there was a meeting before we kind of did this, and and I think it was. Also, like beneficial in some ways because there's some people that come on this podcast that have never met before at all, and and it's fine. Yeah. Know, but we're going like, it it made it so that we weren't 100% strangers, uh-huh. you know, which I think was beneficial and and just kind of getting to understand where you're coming for was definitely informative of this conversation and whatnot. But yeah, where did those business sensibilities kind of like kick in for you and and what? Yeah, so when I say that not taking the scholarship and going the full ride scholarship and going to art school, but choosing to go to a place where I was going to learn more about myself. When I say I met my family there and like my bro- like my best friends, beyond best friends just my family. I mean, I'm talking like who they are and then also like their parents are some of one like some of the biggest business people you can meet in the united states it's even in the world for a couple of them um but like like big business talking and i remember and they've all taken like we're just so close where it's just like we're all family and so i remember one of the first one of the first dinners I had with my buddy, uh, shout out Zeb, it's my fucking brother, having with his parents, um, and we were just all we were talking, and then we get halfway through the dinner, and uh, Papa D looks at me and he's like, he's like, so, I know that you create, I know that you paint, I know that you make music, I know that you do all this. What's your goal? I think that was like the first time I kind of got hit with that question of, man, like, what is my goal? Like, what am I really trying to do with this? Um, and so as I was like talking about it and kind of like going over like what I want to do, what I see myself doing creatively, um, I think I at that point I kind of realized like, man, there's growing up without someone like teaching you business you kind of think that there's no like you just kind of have to go with the flow that's kind of how it goes being around people where the whole life is business uh and also family you kind of realize that like what you love to do there can always be a goal with it and i think 
that's key for people listening that's very key if you love to do something there can always be a goal whether it's to turn it into a business or it's just that's what's going to give you happiness always remember that there has to be a goal with what you're creating and and that just wasn't like the only the only conversation about that it was like all the time we were talking so it was like just you know, being come around over. those people yeah i'll come over their house to go fishing in their backyard and they'll be like so how are you doing on that goal blah 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 how you know where where are you at in the goal how's it progress and then from there i created the art program because i had the tools i knew what to do i had a goal now so i created the art program off of that um you also had some people it sounds like that made you feel like that goal was important to achieve yeah, here I here I have like these people who are I mean like these people who like you think like wealth brings everything and they almost just leave you when they have wealth. But here are these people that have all this wealth and their only focus when you're around them isn't like money or business or anything like that, but it's what you want to do now. And so I think that's kind of where my whole like desire of legacy of wanting to leave something behind for someone else to build on top of me comes from where learning from them you know when i'm in the room with someone it's not about me it's about what i can do for someone else uh really like comes from and so i think well i know that's where the business side of me came from i learned a lot of business from them you know just kind of like talking to them telling them like you know if i want to do this with my art program you know what what happens if i turn into a nonprofit? what happens if i LLC it what happens if i sell the curriculum what happens if i do xyz what are my percentages what are my royalties just all these different things and i know not everybody's privileged to have something like that that's why they got to dm me at max nine the number nine one i'll put you up on game but that's where a lot of the business came from knowing that if i'm gonna have a meeting uh, then it's important for me to at least have a follow-up with someone or have, you know, like a first point of engagement because there's no reason to go in to sell something if I've never had a conversation with someone. And so, like, the first rule of selling is to introduce yourself and then sell. Or not even sell, but introduce yourself, have a conversation, and let the sell pretty much take care of itself. So for me, not that... I was just having the meeting with you just to have the meeting with you. But it was important because if I have the meeting with you, we at least know each other. There'll be no reason for me to come to the podcast and, you know, have a do an episode with you and then just leave. And it's like we never know each other again. Yeah. Like it's important to me to meet you and be like, hey, this is who I am. Uh, meeting you is important to me because if i'm wanting to work with you and i think this partnership can happen then that means you know i want to invest in you too it's not just give me what you have and that's it yeah no and it it definitely like i said it came out came across authentic and and i didn't feel like you were necessarily like trying to sell me something in some shitty way you know I, i just i appreciated the presentation of it because it it just uh I don't know. It just it just seemed to come from a good place, but it also just seemed to come from a place of like a real sense of like I'm gonna do this. Like I'm doing this thing, and if you want to like learn more about it, yeah, you know, like I would love to talk to you about it more. 
You know? Yeah. Because it I, doesn't matter, like, if you fuck with it or not. Like, I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's happening. You know? And and I also just appreciate that that mentality, too, because it's it it makes a lot of sense to me. And it's, like, yeah. what I'm doing to a certain degree as well. It's, like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. Like, if you want to jump on board and, like, support it or participate in it, like, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, and, like, for people wanting to so just going into like the music industry right now if you have a hot record that is a big hot record people will do business with you until that record is not hot i mean you could listen to my words and be like who are you one i'm plugged in with some of the deepest people in music here this is just an introduction so let that just be an upfront piece of uh, an upfront example second if you look at everybody that has if you're doing if you're making hip-hop music but not only hip-hop but just music in general or you're creating in general or you're not even creating you're listening to this and you do business period if you have one hot selling product and that's it people are only going to use you until that product's done because they're going to make money off of that product if you have a business plan and you do business People see that there's gen, there's revenue and residuals coming in annually, quarterly, weekly, monthly. They see that it's coming in. A smart businessman is doing business with someone who's bringing in reoccurring revenue, not a one-hit wonder. So for me, it's important to carry myself knowing I know my business. Because if, I, if I'm meeting with people and showing them that I know my business then it lets them know that I'm taking what I'm doing serious and I'm not going to ruin what they're doing. Absolutely. And and that you're going to be hands on it, like hands on with that process. And you have taken the time to learn all of that and that you do. I, th- I think that shows a lot to somebody else too, you know, that yeah. they're not going to have to hand, like hold your hand through those parts of the process and what's happening there, you know, like you're on top of that already and you're just looking for more support or exposure or whatever, you know? Yeah. If, if people aren't building teams, they're not building anything. So most, most things aren't created off one person. I mean, if you look at like the people in the world who have like the hottest things right now or the biggest things or the biggest trends or anything like that, there's a team behind them, whether it's their real team or it's the company that they're using to actually promote and become big. There's a team somewhere. Um, The things that last the longest have a real team behind it. Um, Aside from those groups of people that have kind of become your family and and, um very business savvy people who who have been or who is like the one person that has had kind of like the biggest inspiration from an art standpoint that that you kind of see as as a model for what you are doing or want to do you know that's like a friend of mine or just someone who i see from the distance from the distance yeah so my favorite artist currently that i can study look up to um and kind of just take from example and stuff my favorite artist is greg crayola simpkins he's a graffiti artist from la and if you've never heard of him i need all of you guys to go find him you will 
sees a painting he creates or a drawing he creates and be like what the fuck um here's a guy that started off in graffiti start our from like an outside person that saw seen him like transforming all this stuff for one of the first pieces of graffiti i saw in the can control magazine for my buddy was a piece from uh crayola uh loved his artwork ever since i first saw a piece of his him and mirror one crayola they're from the same crew crayola is my favorite current like artist alive saw his piece saw the transform from being a street artist that can go to jail because now because graffiti is a felony um transitioned into galleries and left that has now painted all across the u.s and the world um paints legally gets paid a shit ton of money probably to paint legally uh, created a stop motion short film like here's a dude that started from something that was so and created so skillfully and creatively created in a place where he could get i mean pretty much thrown in jail and find up the ass for it to getting to a place now where the dude has a short film stop motion directed written drawn created by himself with the team um i mean the dude just like you can't look at his story and not think man here's a dude that's literally started from the bottom of the barrel of creativity at least at the time graffiti is now like one of the hottest things you could buy but started off from one of the worst forms or one of the most not respected forms of art and is now one of the most respected artists in the world so that's where my inspiration comes from i see that dude you know, on Instagram, draw and paint. And I'm like, man, fucker, I need to make another beat. Got to have those people, though. Yeah. Just like we were talking about, you know, in the beginning, you know, it's uh, it's cool to inspire people because I think I think you obviously you understand how much someone like him inspires you and, and how much the artists that have come before you that have made this art that resonates with you so much you know how much that means to you so to be able to maybe pass that along to the next person in some way yeah his all-time favorite artist of all time salvador Dali. yeah yeah that dude created shit in a time where landscapes of different colors were the hottest thing and he showed you what a dream could look like if you were willing to look so that dude created the hottest shit ever. Shout out Salvatore Dali. Yeah, <laughs> rest in peace. <laughs> um, with this record, Moonstrung, did you go into it with some sort of like concept for these this collection of tunes, or th was it more of just like what you were talking about earlier, where you would be working on a song and you would kind of hear it? sounding like maybe the others in some form or yeah so originally the album was going to be called i'm not even gonna say what it was going to really be called but the original name that there was two names i went in between uh for moon it was moonstrung and the other one was moon music and the whole concept behind it was here you have an object in the sky that reflects something else and even though it reflects something else it's still its own it's its own thing still um i think as a creative 
it would be foolish of me to say everything I create is 100% me and not inspired by something else. Uh, but the reality is, is if so, and this, so that's kind of like the concept of moon. It's its own thing, but it's still taking from something else to become its own thing. Still the strong part is just this, like, you know, if you're like wanting something, but you're kind of just strung out and can't really get it, but you're like almost fiending for it. It's just this feeling of like wanting to be something that can shine down and kind of inspire and like give some like give life pretty much to things around it but it's this long enough if i kind of if i go to the moon and i'm kind of there with the moon then that means i have to leave behind everyone else so there's this strong feeling of wanting to go to the moon but at the same time if i leave i'm doing it selfishly so, so you're talking about depression not not depression it's more of just kidding yeah no it's more of like i mean at at some point every creative comes to a place and i'm like man if i just get up and leave i could go do something yeah um for sure but i think that's super selfish because sometimes if you get up and leave you're hurting people and you're leaving people behind yeah man you just gotta hope that i mean fuck (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a whole nother thing but you gotta hope oh, people respect thing. you for for making those moves and and but it's it is hard sometimes to uh it's hard to make selfish moves yeah. sometimes for a lot of people i think yeah so the whole having the original title before moonstrong was going to be moon music uh but i thought moonstrong kind of just gave you a little bit more of a feeling and so all the records created, I had the beats originally, <clears throat> I had hooks created, uh, I had some verses created too, and I had some features already. But I knew that everything was going to revolve around this idea of wanting, there's a longing to kind of just get up and leave and go somewhere to become something. But at the end of the day, if you go and do that, you're leaving behind a bunch of people and stuff. So... The whole concept of it was, I mean, that's why on my debut, I have so many features. If I get it, if it wasn't my debut and it was just another, it was a Max 91 project, it would probably just be all me. But the idea of having people really, like people that I love their music, I think as humans, they're just amazing people and super amazing creatives. I think having them a part of my debut was also part of painting the picture of this is what I want on the project and I want you to be a part of it. Cause you know, at the end of the day, I want you to know like what I'm doing. You're only ever going to feed off of it. This is meant to put you in a position too, just as much as it's putting me somewhere. Yeah. You want to share that space. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that fat, so I'm not trying to take up too much space. <laughs> um, well, I fuck with it, man, and I dig the the intention behind it and and the hustle behind it all. Yeah, is is very cool and and inspiring. Um, we're gonna play it out with this greasy track. You want to give us a little greasy shout out, my motherfucking girl Scooty. Once again, if you are wanting a feature, she has the hottest vocals in Portland. Not even Portland, the world right now. If you want to feature, get it now before she gets too expensive. Even for me, she'll probably get too expensive at some point. <laughs> but Greasy, she has the hardest 
hook on there the whole concept of this song was to tie up the rest of the album um over and over she's reciting these words pretty much saying like if you're a god if you're a king blah blah blah, all this so the whole idea of it was if i get to this point in my life where i think i'm better than everyone else then i need someone in my corner to say you're not a god you're not a king you're not all xyz and then my verse is just venting about that so shout out to the scooty music video 100 i could tell you is in the work of coming out for that one um one of my favorite records also this whole project's a bunch of my favorite records but greasy is one of my favorite records it has some of the best writing i've done on it uh it's just a hot record shout out scooty fuck yeah man yeah fuck it we did the we did the podcast we did the damn thing we did it dan and max 91 dan podcast dan presents dan caples presents there's <laughs> no other motherfucking podcast out here dan cable presents uh i appreciate that shout out there are a few other podcasts out there but you know I'll they're take, out I'll there the but and when i get to go do those ones i'll do the same for you <laughs> listen this is max 91 signing off salute moonstrong out now dan cable presents this is greasy featuring my girl scooty but now i'm gonna tell you how we properly end things here oh do it dude cable i just did a whole podcast. rollout no the rollout your rollout is is sick it's gonna roll out right into you saying uh it, it's kind of tradition and with the exception of a couple of episodes where i've completely spaced it it's uh it's tradition for the guest to um end the podcast by saying it's a program which is the tagline for the show so if you could give us the max 91 it's a program then we can program we can properly yep program just just like my grandfather says it all right the news program <laughs> this is max 91 and this is a program it's a program oh it's a program there you go man hey thanks for uh hanging i re- i i appreciated this conversation i thought it was very cool and and it's it's cool to to pick your brain and, and gain even more understanding of where not only this project comes from but like where your art is coming from and and just your whole mentality of trying to uh create community with another artist and i i i appreciate the fuck out of it man so i appreciate you dan this is the first i've done with anyone so more to come appreciate it keep on keeping on this is uh greasy off the the new max 91 record moonstrung and uh you can find it everywhere 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 search max 91 that's max 91 we'll catch you on the flip side portland
never needed anyone, never needed any help Always made the grooves when I'm in the zone, put an end to anyone None of you can do what I do, online shop, you heard you say 10 beats least for 25, yeah boy that's all you I don't ever buy, only cook, but I'm top chef Top shelf, 100 on it, bartender, pass it 42 Makes it flow, we keep it in zone High school, play wide receiver Quick with it, never see me when I pass Selfish with it when I get a hold Quick moves, never catch me slipping Got me in grips like Nike did it Ways coming, know you wanna serve Put a lie in it, know they cook right Know they bless right, call me yellow heat It's a program. Dan Cable presents. There's no other motherfucking podcast out here.